You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 65. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you get to see uh, the first glimpse of the new merch. New merch uh, is now available uh, for those that are interested. We'll make sure to put uh, a link in the, the comments. Uh, we are gating it, but uh, we have all the instructions, and there is some public merch that's out there. And uh, I'm beyond excited. I've been designing this and working uh, through this. You know, lots of different T-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, hats, a couple different hats, uh, a hoodie, even even a couple fanny packs over there. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, you know, just stoked. I, I've always been a merch guy. I mean, the kind of clothes and stuff I wear, it kind of fits, uh, you know, perfectly for for that. And and I'm using Web three technology. I'm gating, uh, gating it. So if you it checks to see what you have in your wallet, either on Ethereum or on Rally uh, or your ADHD coin, and then it gives you a different shopping experience depending on what you're holding. Uh, hey, and I'm very proud of that. I worked on it myself, uh, made sure all of it worked, been testing it with the team, and finally can get it out there live for all of you uh, that are interested. And it's not all with NFT365 on it. There's some cool things on it. So you'll have to go there and check it out. Of course, want to give some love to our sponsor, the Crypto Business Conference. Uh, excited there. You know, I'm, I'm working through my slides and my presentation uh, which is actually early for me. I'm not one that usually works on that uh, this early, but excited to be working through that uh, and you know some of the things that we have uh, in the works for that event. So uh, hopefully I will see uh, all of you there. Now for today's episode, actually a little bit time sensitive, uh, and it actually connects back to the project that we minted uh, today. But for those that are listening, it'll be tomorrow. Uh, and that project is the One Word Brick or the Brick Project or the Ledger Marketplace's uh, very first uh, NFT, and uh, we minted that for the collection. Uh, so it is, you know, it is number three hundred one in our um, collection bag. And the reason I said it was a little bit time sensitive is that there's some interesting debate going on in the Discord uh, amongst uh, you know the community on uh, a couple of the things that you know have kind of going on as in regards to. You know, uh, all all things uh, NFTs, all things uh, decisions, and one of the things that someone brought up to me was actually in the Discord for Brick. They were like, "Fanzo, have you done an episode on you know the cutting supply and uh, or versus slow burn versus uh, you know airdropping NFTs to uh, people and kind of the pros and cons?" And I was like, "You know what? I've talked about it a lot, but I don't think I've done a full episode on that." So, with that being said, we are in a bear market and. Um, you know, getting a project to mint uh, a thousand right now is a is a novel feat. Uh, but we've also had some big projects, right? We had the Utes project that recently just dropped. Um, we have the Jadu project that just dropped, um, and then of course the Brick project. You know, they they did a creative thing with their uh, with their whitelist. If you bought a T-shirt, you got it on the whitelist. They also are the first project that had launched on the Ledger uh, marketplace, but. You know, yesterday, uh, the last two days were actually pre-mint. Or yesterday, all day was the you could if you were on that 
list you could actually mint yesterday, our, our early uh, mint price was 0.15. Uh, and then they opened up for the public uh, this morning. Now, you know, one of the things that I, I was going to put out there for all those that are, you know, are listening is that, you know, predicting, this is one of the things that most people don't kind of factor in or don't understand predicting who's going to actually use their whitelist spot or their allow list spot or their pre-mint spot. You know, it's a wild, wild west. You know, I know earlier in the year, um, you know, people were, had high percentages, right. Of those that were minted, um, even Utes, uh, you know, Utes, you had to apply to, um, mint your NFT, um, you know, and then they accepted people. And I think they had a pretty high, um, uh, threshold of, you know, the amount of people on there and the percentage of them that minted. But I know for a lot of collections and we've interviewed some of our, our, um, you know, some of the, uh, project founders here on the podcast, you know, 10%, 20%, sometimes 50%, but probably 10% of the entire allow list. Um, and that, you know, we, I remember we used to talk about discord, uh, you know, so if you had, so it was like 3% of your total number of people in your discord, um, we're most likely going to be the people that minted um, your NFT project, right? And I remember that being kind of a, a thing that we talked about a lot um, back about a year ago. But lately it's been, you know, you can probably, <clears throat> you know, bet on, you know, 10% of your pre-mint list, but then depending on how you do your allow list and, you know, price point and, and even momentum, there's some other things that kind of factor in there. And so last night, you know, they had the, the, the pre-mint uh, for a brick at 0.15 Ethereum. I will say I personally thought they were going to drop <clears throat> the mint price down to 0.1 um, from 0.15. Uh, but, you know, uh, neither here nor that. Some projects have adjusted, some have not. And then they went public um, today at noon and had their public drop, um, you know, uh, kind of drop, you know, announced uh, today at noon. And the reason I said that this was kind of timely is I wanted to record this before they, the vote and the decision was made with the project because I didn't want that to be biased or people to think I'm pumping a bag or any of that thing. I know most of you know me better enough now to know that's not really my agenda, but I'll be explaining to you why that is in a second. But, you know, I've been saying since November, you know, one of the first projects we minted in our collection was called the expan expansion punks and the expansion punks were minting for uh, three and a half months whenever I discovered them and got to know the founder and um, Jeremy, he was actually on our podcast. He was actually one of the uh, early guests of the podcast. And that was a slow burn project. And for those that are like, what is a slow burn project? It means it takes a while for it to mint out. And I'm not sure if I 100% coined that, but um, I know that you know in our network, in our community, uh, I was the first one kind of labeling projects that um, back in last fall. And now it's kind of a, a more common term. I don't really care about who was first to say things, by the way. Uh, that's just kind of ridiculous to, to worry about. But I love the idea of, of continued momentum and community growth over time. But we have to be truthful and say every project wants to mint out. Like we, we dropped NFTs on, uh, November, or on December 12th last year. Um, we ended up you know, taking about a month and a half or so uh, for us to sell out our collection. Um, so I'm very familiar with the slow burn. Uh, I know some slow burns are multiple months, four or five uh, six months, seven months. Uh, one a, a project that I love that we had here on the podcast. They're very close to closing their um, their slow burn uh, NFT mint. Uh, the '90s babes. They're another one. Um, I know Meta Whips is is a great one to talk about. Uh, Squiggles. For those that are are familiar with Squiggles, I think that was one of the first projects that slow mint success. I think it took four or five months for them to mint out. Uh, and I know there's people that talk about like crypto kitties, which were on the first NFTs. I think it took a year and a half for them uh, to mint out their whole collection. 
But one of the three things that I wanted to bring up here is that one of the de- one of the decisions that is often being made by project founders is that they have to decide, do I try to keep momentum and try to mint the rest of the supply? Do, and what does that mean, right? If I don't have all of the them sold, um, can we do the art reveal? And um, do we have enough budget to execute on our utility? And then there's the other options, right? Do we maybe airdrop, uh, exi- maybe freeze the mint and airdrop our existing holders, um, the NFTs? Or maybe we just shrink the total supply, so you know, for the the brick project, uh, there was ten thousand. It was the target uh, supply. As of the recording of the podcast right now, there are almost there are about two thousand four hundred. So they're about one fourth of the way there. Now they just opened up for the public um, this afternoon at noon, but they actually posed the question into the Discord. Uh, which surprised me a little bit. I thought it was a little bit um, early for them um, to kind of make that, uh, you know, kind of jump, but, you know, to each their own, I think that, you know, to me, that's like one of the things that we can just let people, you know, make their own decisions, but they put it, they put it to a vote in the discord. We will either cut our supply to 5,000 or we'll cut our supply to 3,333. Now you might be asking yourself, why would they do that? And then you might be asking yourself, well, if I'm a holder of that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I hate to answer this with it depends, but let me explain. So the idea of supply and demand is pretty simple, right? We talk about that a lot here on the podcast. If there is uh, you know, less supply available and there is an increased demand, then of course, that if there's a limited supply, the more valuable those uh, NFTs are going to be. But the key word being there needs to be a demand, And so oftentimes the struggle with that is if you are shrinking the supply, sometimes people are like, yeah, I vote for them to burn the rest of the NFTs, which just simply means they're not going to, they're not going to roll out those rest of the NFTs um, ever. They're just going to burn. They're going to cap off that supply at a certain number. And, you know, part of the advantage of that is then you can move forward from minting and you can worry about, you know, building your community. You also rewarding your early people that were early minting, but when you cut the supply, that also, you know, the total amount available. And, and let's face it, if you're not selling to your total supply, how confident are you that there will actually be enough demand to make that price go up? There also is kind of what is that perception when a, a project cuts supply? Now, I will tell you, the Brick Project did one thing I really like, is they're letting the existing holders vote. Now, in their Discord, it's, you have to have one of the Brick NFTs um, to get in the Discord. And they, they, they spelled out the story. They told people they get an hour to debate it in the, in the Discord chat. And then we could actually vote and decide what is moving forward. So either to cut the supply in half or cut the supply in two-thirds. Now, the debate is, I mean, it is all over the place inside of the Discord. Some people are like, wait a second, don't cut the supply. Just airdrop us that are existing holders, you know, NFTs, uh, and now we'll have two of them, right? Well, that's an option, but here's the problem with that. As soon as you give people one for free, the, the likelihood and the psychology around flipping that one or selling that one is, is there. And I've seen this with every time that every project does this is that immediately people will put it for sale for way less than the mint price. So in the, one of the other options that projects have is that they can, they can, you know, airdrop to the, so like right now is a good example, right? So they have, let's say they have 20, 2,400. They could, rather than cutting the supply, 
they could say, okay, we're going to airdrop every one of our holders. Our first 4,000 holders are going to get a second um, NFT, right? So as soon as they hit 4,000, pause the mint, airdrop one to everyone that has one. So now their mint is at 8,000. And then they could, what they could do is they could cut the actual mint price in half because now you know, those of us that bought one, we have two. So technically it's the same, you know, general price. And so for this project, they could actually start back at 8,000, let's just say, or, you know, maybe 9,000 because it's at 20, 2,400. So that's what, 4,800. Um, so they, they stop at 4,800 and they say, okay, you know, or they, let's say they go to 4,000, it's 8,000 NFTs. Then the last 2,000 of them are for sale for 0.075. And then they mint out and they have a 10,000, um, you know, supply cap now. What I will say with that is the individual holder numbers will be way down. Well, that's just another thing to take into account because if you have low individual holder numbers, what that often means is that there are a few people that hold a high percentage of the, those NFTs. Now, that does not mean the project is destined to fail or bad or it's a negative. Uh, for example, Bulls and Apes, a project we talk about a lot here on the on the podcast, um, they're right around that 2,400 individual holders of their 11,000-piece um, collection, but they've built utility and tokenomics and gamification to reward those that are holding more than one. And so it made more even sense for people to have more than one, hence their individual holders are way down. On the flip side of that, Crypto Dads, I believe of their 10,000 NFTs, they were at like 8,400 individual holders at one time. The problem with that is if everyone loves their NFT, no one wants to sell it, and then there's not much supply out there, and so there's not very much secondary market, and there's lots of variables that go in there. Now, your head might be spinning a little bit because you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was all these things to calculate. Well, yes, there's all of these different you know mechanics, different ways that we can um, we can drop you know NFTs, and you know I for one you know I've minted an NFT every day for 301 days. Um, I kind of know I've seen every scenario there is, and you know the other options there are here is if you have a second project, right? So Psychedelics Anonymous, a project I've talked about a lot here on the podcast, they had a sister project called Izu. Well, Izu wasn't selling. It was a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, it wasn't selling to the numbers that they had thought. And what they decided to do was they just decided to freeze the mint and then they airdropped to the holders of Psychedelics Anonymous. If you had that NFT, or I believe if you also had the psilocybin um, you know, NFT that they have with theirs, they airdropped one of them uh, each to each one of those people um, got a one of the Izu NFTs. And so they still you know, push the supply up. But rather than giving it to strangers or giving everyone a second one, they rewarded, you know, kind of their sister project that exists, which is another, you know, great option that is available. Of course, that also comes with risk because if your sister project people weren't already buying the NFT, what does that say? And if they were, now you just gave them a second NFT. And why does it make make them feel that much more special than those that minted um, Izu or, you know, or the NFT for the first place? All right, there's a lot going on there. Now, Let's take it a step back further. You know, Brick, you know, knew that they were minting on a in a um, in a bear market. The public sale went um, live today at noon. What they could have done is they could say, "Wow, these numbers aren't as high as that we thought." Let's um let's add some incentives for people to to um, actually mint. Now, Steve Aoki just did this for his drop today. Um, and I actually jumped into the drop because of this incentive. And let me read to you the text that uh, that Steve Ioki sent. Um, Steve Ioki said, hey, for everyone that is minting the Replicant X, 
If you mint on the allow list, you will receive two bonus NFTs airdropped into your wallet, the wallet that's used to mint. If you mint during the public mint phrase, you'll get airdropped one uh, NFT into that wallet. Go ahead and mint yours there. Now, one of the things I found interesting about that is he doesn't say that you're going to get the actual NFT that is in this collection. He's just saying you're going to get airdropped another uh, an NFT. Now, it could be one of his sister NFTs. I actually hold all of Steve Aoki's. I hold his uh, his passport, um, his avatar, his on cyber um, metaverse, and now of course the the newest avatar one. But that is also um, kind of an option that is out there. Now I'm going to highlight a project that is in our bag twice. It was our very first guest of our podcast, and that is Chibi. Chibi Labs have taken a really interesting approach to this. Their very first collection, so they've had four collections so far underneath the, the Chibi Labs family. Their very first collection was capped. It was a small, much smaller collection. When they dropped their second collection, it was right, out, right in the start of the bear market uh, last October, and they, weren't, they, they kind of hit like a, a snag. And so they decided to cap the sales, I believe right around like 3,000 or so. But what they, what they learned from that is that they had a, a really tight-knit community because their first two projects, although they wanted to sell 10,000, that smaller amount actually allowed them to you know, still be nimble and have, you know, be creative. So for their third supply, they actually put out to everybody, they made it public, if I remember this correctly, this was last fall, that they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to mint on this day and we're going to give everybody this many days. So after seven days, whatever supply is not minted, we're going to burn the rest of them and we're going to move forward. I think that's actually a really interesting play as well. And, and here's the caveat. Here's the thing that I'm going I'm to I'm frame this for those two answers that I told you I was going to give you. If you're a project founder, the first advice that I have to give you is plan and assume that you will not sell out. What I mean by that is you need to have things up your sleeve. You need to have a marketing and communication strategy that exists after the mint date to go beyond your existing community. I don't know if, you know, this is Brick's very first NFT drop on the brand new Ledger marketplace. If I were them, they've done a great job on Twitter, great job marketing on Twitter, great, you know, artwork, the, the videos that they put out. If I were them, I would go back to Ledger and team up with the email newsletter. I would reach out to some YouTubers, some podcasters, get on some podcasts. And rather than having to shrink the supply on the same day that you're launching, why not try that slow burnout for like a week or so and try marketing outside of the existing bubble or the existing audience um, that you actually were already you know, kind of targeting? So Project founders must plan for that. And anyone I'm advising, there's a couple of projects we're advising right now. Um, I will tell you, they, they, they will tell you if you reach out to them. That's been my advice, like verbatim was like, we are planning, we are building a strategy as if we don't sell out. Because guess what? If we sell out, then that marketing strategy that we planned on using, well, maybe we can use it for the future drop or we could use it for when we lose momentum in the future. Now, the reason I think this is important for collectors, those that are investors, so right, let's take our, let's take our hat off. Uh, funny enough, I don't even have a hat on because I'm wearing a hoodie today. Um, let's take our hat off as a project founder, and now let's think as an investor or a collector. One of the things that concerns me is not really the cutting of supply, but it's the lack of planning or the assumption that you would sell out. Because we all know what, a, what happens if you, you, know, you assume, right? You make an ass out of you and me. Ha <laughs> silly dad joke. But assuming that you are going to sell out, in my opinion, 
is, is twofold, right? You are, you know, a little bit of an ego and you probably don't have a, a great sense or, or pulse of the, the greater NFT community or even your existing discord or community that you have there. That that's usually, that's one of the concerns for me on the flip side of this. If you are a, someone that wants to, that believes that like for the brick project, right? They, they're actually building a, or they are buying a music venue in Los Angeles that you, that they will own and they're going to put on concerts there. And if you hold the NFT, you can stream it. Or if you're in LA, you can attend it. If you hold the NFT, love the concept. Travis Barker tweeted them out and said that he's plans on singing, uh, you know, being at that, um, at that venue. I think it's actually a really creative kind of real estate play. But I, for one, minted that knowing the fact that like this is a long-term play. So those of you that are getting into a project that is a long-term play, that you believe the value is there, the question now you have to ask yourself, is it good to cut the supply or is it good just to keep it going because you plan on holding it long-term? There's two schools of thought here. Slow burn, keeping it going, allows the community to kind of grow and nurture but it also doesn't reward you for getting in early, right? So then you might almost feel like, well, you know what? I might as well just sell this and I'll buy back in closer to when they're, they're, they're selling out, right? So now you have that little bit of a concern. The, the flip side of that, which is, I think is a very interesting one, is that if the supply is massively cut you know, really quickly, well, it, the great thing is that when, when the utility is actually deriv- delivered you know, down the road, the demand's going to be there, right? Because they're going to deliver on what they're going and you're diamond handsing it because you believe in the project. But funny enough, how are they going to maintain that floor price between now and that delivery? And so, yes, the demand might go up, but that might mean that they, the demand might go up and you're, you're now 10x below or 5x below what the mint price was for the project. So with that being said, I'm one that likes to take a pulse of of the community and also the sense of, of the overall industry. I mean, this is where I think so many NFT founders are mistaken. Uh, and I think we even treat NFT founders, you know, incorrectly, in my opinion, most NFT founders, their heads are down and they only worry about their project, their team, their community. So it's no wonder they don't have a great pulse or understanding on what's going on in the greater market. Now they could hire advisors or influencers like myself that, that can give them that information, but that, that's kind of like a, a narrative that we have to be aware of. So with that being said, I do love the approach that if you are thinking about making this decision, I like the idea of putting it in the hands of your um, existing holders, your community. Now you have to be you know prepared to kind of reap those benefits or rewards, or you have to be prepared. Like maybe you think they're going to pick one thing, but if they pick the other one, you still have to operate. The last part of it, and this is the most important one for me with the Brick Project, and I posted this in their discords, so I'm being very transparent, is I said, I believe in the project. I believe in its long-term legitimacy. I also think the real estate music NFT space is, is yet to hit its peak. So this is a, a promising uh, collaboration of, of two worlds. My question, though, became, what are the things that you're going to have to cut? Or what are the things that the, the timeline is going to slip back? Because now, rather than getting... I think they were close. They were they were on target for getting I think three million dollars um, if they had minted out. You if you do three thousand three hundred thirty three, you're going to mint out at about you know eight hundred and ninety thousand dollars USD. So the question becomes: Are they planned to still execute their roadmap with the adjusted budget? 
Me personally, the first thing they should say is no. There's going to be, if we expected $3 million and we're getting one third of that, there should be something that is, uh, that is changing. Now, I will tell you, one of the things that they put out there was that they are going to um, forego the founder's percentages that they had already put out in the contract to kind of help, you know, kind of push this along, which I think is actually, um, you know, I tip my hat to them. I think that was actually a smart play as well. But this is where communication is essential very fluid transparency on what are the things that are going to need to be adjusted. And then more so than anything else, I believe this is at this time, this is when you need to lean in with your team and have the face of your team everywhere. They should be doing Twitter spaces. They should be on discord. They should be on YouTube videos. They need to be hyperactive by making these decisions because now one of the things that happens is that I bought the brick brick NFT. I'm all excited. Oh, okay. It's not selling out oh my goodness, they just made this massive decision and now they're going to get less money. Now I almost have to trust them all over again, right? Because I trusted them to get in the project to execute based on minting out and having that budget. But now if they have one third of that budget, well, how confident am I that they're still going to be able to execute or be transparent or own the things that they need to own um, on this journey? And so when I look at this, you know, taking a step back, you know, like my recommendation would be to the brick team and they can't even take this first recommendation. My recommendation would have been to put out there, Hey, we're thinking about cutting the supply, um, on Monday morning. So we're going to give everybody five days. Um, we're going to cut the supply on Monday morning. We're going to freeze the mint at that time. We're going to put something to the vote in the discord. We will let everybody know that, right? So now people know that there's a, there's a framework of when the mint is open. They can pause the mint there. They can present options to the discord, but that wasn't that what was presented um, for this case. What they presented this case was, do we shrink the supply to 5,000 or do we shrink the supply to 3,333? Uh, In my opinion, th- these are two really interesting variables because there is an advantage. The 3,333, it will inspire the flippers, those that are you know looking for those quick bucks, to stay in the project or to jump in because that small supply, as soon as a little bit of momentum happens, they can probably two exit or two and a half exit pretty quickly. But that also means there's going to be a lot of you know transient and there's going to be some people in the, in the Discord and in your community early on that don't really value your utility overall. If you do the 5,000 piece, well, you sold 2,400 or 2,500, you sold half of that. Now you don't really know how long that's going to go. And so one of the things that I would have liked to have seen is like, Hey, if we keep the 5,000, if we pick 5,000, we're going to keep it open until we mint out. We're just going to let it ride as long as, um, as long, it could take one month, could be take one week, it could take three months. But because there's not like a, an understanding of that variable, I will just tell you that I'm voting on that, you know, cutting the supply to 3,333 on this one because um, I'm probably going to buy a second one. And I will be able to, um, you know, when they cut the supply and they sell out, I believe I'll be able to sell the second one um, for, you know, above what, what maybe, maybe even cover my cost for both of them. Um, And then I'll be free rolling and I'll just be able to ride into the community. I plan on, you know, being in this community. I, I love what they're building, but I think all of these things are really important and I don't usually go this deep or this strategic or giving all of this alpha Um, on this podcast, because I don't want people to always get overwhelmed with all of these things. But I also think we should be very aware 
of the different variables. And it's not as cut and dry as people might think, right? And even with what the youths are doing right now with D-Gods, D-Gods, um, the founder of D-Gods last night um, kind of put his foot in his mouth, unfortunately, and and told people that there was a raffle for 100 um, Utes NFTs. Um, it actually should have only been 10, but people had already bought you know their dust coin and there was this big influx. And, and then he decided, well, we're just going to refund everybody's dust tokens. Well, then, of course, if they're going to refund, which means a lot of people are just going to sell their, their tokens, now all of a sudden there's going to be a massive sale. That market... The, the market is going to see dust tanking and it's really going to hurt all of us because those of us that hold dust, uh, the price is going to go down. But I also think he was put in a, into, into a really tough decision and ultimately he's doing the best he can. I do believe that he's learning. Um, it, it's Frank from D gods. Um, and I personally, you know, I'm a big fan of, of the project. Um, I have a youths. I plan on getting a D gods. I love, I love the art. I like what a lot of the, the people in that community stand for, but I don't have one now. And so I'm just putting that out there. But the reason I tell you all of these things is that I don't care if you're launching your own NFT project or you're just an investor or a collector. We have to look at every scenario, every situation for what it is. And we also have to recognize our own success. If you were listening to this right now and you were like, Brian, I bought a brick, but all of this seems a little overwhelming and concerning. And I don't really, not sure if I want my liquidity stuck in that project for that long. I might even tell you like jump out now and just know that you might want to jump in down the road and it's probably going to cost you a little bit more, but then you're not going to have to concern yourself with all these moving variables. But lastly, I just want to be very clear about something as well. I believe slow burn NFT projects will be the future blue chips. I believe projects that take a time to build their community and grow very organically are the projects that are going to have the strongest community, the most loyal super fans, and the, the, the founders are going to have the deepest connection with those people because when there's only a couple hundred or thousand in them, there's, it's, it's a, it's a, your distance between your founders and your community are much tighter. So in a weird way, I'm actually more bullish on projects that are slow burn with this caveat. Slow burn with the idea of checking their ego at the door with being open with communication, being transparent with things as they shift, and also own and recognizing that they're going to have to put in the work and continue to deliver all the way until that mint is, 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 is complete. And I will kind of you know, pull this all together with the, just the idea that they're also kind of throws in the variables of like, what is the utility, right? I talk about actual utility versus implied utility, right? Actual utility are things they don't have to build. They simply either need to buy it or they need to um, just kind of set it up, right? Cause that could be merch. That could be um, a, a, a metaverse land, right? They don't, have to, they don't have to build anything. They're not building their own metaverse. They're just giving people access to a metaverse land. Or implied utility, which means, hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to create our own game. We're going to create our own metaverse. We're going to whatever that may be. All of those things can be really interesting. And, and I actually think NFT projects need to have both of the types of utility and then they need to lean in to one versus the other depending on what happens on their mint. If you mint out, then you're going to go with, hey, we have people that trust us. Let's go with the implied utility. Um, and you know, as we get there, you know, we'll, we'll kind of you know, uh, build as we go. If we're not minting out, let's like switch a little bit, switch up on the roadmap to the actual utility so those that are currently holding feel like they're valued right out of the gate. 
all of this stuff can be, you know, are things that I hope we're going to be able to talk about more uh, and also talk about it at the Crypto Business Conference, which of course is our sponsor here of the podcast. It is happening October 9th to the 11th in beautiful San Diego, California. This is what we're going to be talking about at the networking tables, at the lounge, in between sessions. Um, I love geeking out on everything from, you know, uh, trends on floor prices to how much the mint would have been, right? Like, I mean, one could say like, what if they cut the mint in half, wouldn't that mean that it would only double the amount of people that would have bought it? No, I, don't, I think you're wrong. I actually think if they had minted at 0.8 or 0.1, I think they probably would have sold out. But at 0.15, that is a, a, enough that it actually pushes people to have, you know, at a certain level of Ethereum um, liquidity. But if you want to geek out about all of those things, talk about um, this stuff, IRL, have some handshake hugs. Maybe you'll even get to wear some merch that we have. Maybe we'll be giving away some merch. Uh-oh, I just spilled some alpha. Sorry, Delphi Cat. I know uh, I was not supposed to say that, but hey, now you guys got it here on the podcast. But uh, yeah, if you're going to see you there at Crypto Business Conference, we're going to bring some exclusive merch with us as well. But although all things being said, uh, I hope to see you there. Check out socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT365. And I'm going to leave you th with this, my friends. These variables, these complexities, they don't have to be things that everyone is worried about, right? A lot of people are going to jump into a project. This brick one, is a, for example, is a perfect example, right? People jump in and say, hey, I hope that they deliver um, the venue in LA because I live there, I could travel there, and I'm going to see the concerts. And you could buy the NFT, and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to check back in in three months and see where they're at. That is also an option that you have. Another option that you have is that because this is your NFT, your money, your decisions, it's your it's up to you to how you treat all of this. So please remember, do your own damn research. Of course, this is not financial advice. These are this is really my take, my view of doing this. Now, I've minted every day for 301 days. I am a very big geek for data. I love the psychology of a lot of these things. I'm a huge fan of open communication and transparency. But more so than anything else, I'm a big believer in the power of trust. And what we always have to be asking ourselves are the things that people are doing or projects are doing or decisions that are being made, is that making me be more trust, trusting that they're going to deliver on what I wanted or less trusting on what they deliver? If it's less trusting, then you have to make the decision on what you're going to do with that information. If it's more trusting, then double down. I will tell you, projects that are slow burn projects that handle adversity at the jump, projects that have to delay but are very good at communicating, that actually gains trust with me. Because like I've said for the longest time, one of the, one of the best things that you can do is to actually admit what you don't know or share or be open about the mistakes that you have made. I made some mistakes with this merch drop. I thought I was gonna be able to get, get the gated systems up a month ago before I realized some of the tech and some of the backend on Shopify wasn't even built yet. And I apologize for that, for, for putting that out there. And I own that right here. But I also believe that those that are willing to admit what they don't know, it actually adds validity to what they do know. And it gives me confidence that in the future, they'll be willing to admit what they don't know or mistakes that they make. And I believe that is all part of the game because we are all human. We, no one can predict the future. No one can tell you what NFTs are going to the moon and which ones are going on the floor, no matter what those people on TikTok tell you. But more so than anything else, I just think it comes down to a game of trust. And if you think about it that way, this, get, this space can be a lot of fun. And I believe it's going to reward the good people doing good things that understand the importance of building trust 
through handshakes, through transparency, and looking people in their digital eyeballs. As always, my friends, until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own.